You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with Andy Grant. Real Men Feel encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having, but you don't need to be a man to join us. The Real Men Feel Show is produced weekly for your growth and enjoyment. Listen to us on podcast platforms including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many more. You can also watch the show on YouTube by visiting realmenfeel.org slash YouTube. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes by visiting realmenfeel.org slash iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and at facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Real Men Feel is brought to you by The Good Men Project. Visit goodmenproject.com for more of the conversations no one else is having. Your reviews, comments, feedback, and participation are welcome during the live show and anytime in our Facebook group, on Twitter, or at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's get into this week's show. Greetings, friends, and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. This is your host, Andy Grant, and uh, we're still in September. September is National Suicide Prevention Month, and, you know, I should look back to see if any of my solo shows where I talked about my depression and suicide attempts happened to be made during September or not. That'd be interesting, but, you know, regardless of the time of year, uh, it doesn't, it's not, you know, constrained to a day, a month, a season. Suicide prevention is something that always, unfortunately, always needs to be happening, and today I'm really excited to be joined by someone who is doing some really powerful work in bringing talking about suicide out into the light, for, for that is the only place that true healing can be accomplished. So I'm pleased to welcome producer, photographer, and mental health advocate, M. How are you, M? Hi, I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm really psyched. We connected a, a while ago on Instagram. I've, I found your project, Faces of Fortitude, mm-hmm. and, uh, and definitely wanted to get involved in speaking. And first I get it like, um, I, I love that you go by M. You know, the, the world's full of people, you know, you got your shares, Madonnas and Bonos, but you've you brought it down to just an initial. You know, the fact that you put me in with those people, you just, you won my heart already. So that's good. <laughs> now, honestly, it came from the fact that my parents gave me a 10 letter name and most people that look at it freak out a little bit and don't know what to say and don't, they stumble. And so I'm like, just call me M. It's way easier. And do you get confused with M from the James Bond universe ever? No, I get some that think I mean like Emma, like E-M-M-A. Gotcha. Um, some that reference M as in the House of M from Marvel Comics. So I, I'm not mad at any of them, honestly. <laughs> Good. Does, yeah, it's not worth being mad about. No. Cool. Well, let, let's dive right in. And so, so tell me, what is Faces of Fortitude? Well, Faces of Fortitude started as a project that I did for myself, um, being a producer and a photographer. Um, I lost my brother 11 years ago to suicide, and I had my own attempt at 17. Um, And, you know, a lot happens in the grief process, and I'm 11 years into my grief, but I still had some, like, residual stuff that I, you know, there's no time limit on grief. So I had some stuff that I just didn't know where to put. And I was inspired by a fellow photographer that was doing a, a project called the Veterans Portrait Project. And she is a wounded war vet 
who now takes photos of wounded war vets and tells their stories. And she came and did a talk that I, that I saw that talked about turning trauma into something that can help yourself heal and then help others too. And so that's how it was born is it was a photo project that I originally thought I'd just take photos of like some of my friends and people that knew my brother. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of taken on a life of its own now. It's grown into something a lot bigger. So, um, yeah. The, so the initial intention, you ju- did you have a goal? I'm going to take seven pictures or it was a time frame. What was, what was, the I goal? honestly thought I'd have to ask people to be a, like sit in front of my camera. I thought I'd have to, um, will you do this for me? I'm trying to do this thing. And I thought it would be a, a handful. I didn't even have a number. I just thought I was going to have to beg people to do it. Um, and then it just, people were coming out of the woodwork and these photos I was doing in my spare time on a Saturday on my weekends. Like it was very grassroots and very DIY. So, and still is. <laughs> so what, what sort of feedback has the overall project gotten from, from others? You know, I think about a month into it, I realized I had bitten off something a lot larger. Um, when I had, I, I got a, an email from a woman who said that she wanted to share some really sensitive material with me that was based around her husband's suicide, some like video and, and I, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I, you know, and I didn't want to trigger her. I didn't want to say, I did, how did, why would you want to do this? But, you know, my, my counselor, it was a great lesson for me. She said, you know, suicide is like this hot coal that we don't know what to do with. And it hurts us if we hold it too long, especially if we saw something trauma, you know, traumatizing. Um, and society doesn't give us a place to put something hot like that. If we hold it too long, our friend next to us can't hold it. So um, all of a sudden there's this project that has an empty inbox that people can come into this studio and talk to a stranger that has been through the same thing as them, get their picture taken. And if you think about it, even when we go to counseling, we only talk about our problems for about 40 minutes to an hour. My sessions are two hours. So people sit for two hours and talk about this traumatizing thing. And most of them say, I've never sat for that long and talked about it. So I think um, that's the feedback I've gotten. I get a lot of people that want me to take it to the next level now. So that's my, my goals is trying to travel with it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in the world of trying to get my website off the ground and get a promo video happening, maybe apply for some grants, which just sounds so weird. It's a lot. <laughs> so, hmm. so, so far people come to you, every, all the, all your shooting. Yeah, all the, I would all say, out of, I, yeah, well, uh, there's people that have been, I've, I had one shoot outside of Seattle. So I had one shoot in San Francisco, which is um, the only outside shoot that I've ever done. And then I've had people say, hey, I'm going to be traveling to your city. Can I do a shoot? And if they're vetted and approved, I will, I will do it. I, that's the huge caveat for me is my vetting process has become very extensive because I'm learning that suicide is not just a sad epidemic it's can also be very mean it can be very um manipulative and there's a lot of sides of it anger and i have to be very careful so is so is the vetting more to protect you or the potential both. person both okay both. um i need to make sure that 
people understand that I'm not a counselor mm. and that if they get in front of my camera, it's to share their story. And eight times out of 10, it gets emotional and people get upset and I've had people get really upset and I need to know that they can pull themselves out of it and that they'll be okay when they go home. And so I need to know that people have counselors in place, that they have a good supportive background and that they're on the upswing. If you notice all of my posts, all of my stories have an upswing. I don't tell any that don't. Yeah. So we're not, you're not talking to someone moments after a suicide attempt, they come and want their picture taken. Right. right. And I get that a lot. I get a lot of messages like that that are like, I'm suicidal now. Please take my picture. And I'm like, I would love to meet you and I'd love to talk to you. And you can message me anytime you want. But this project specifically is about this. So that's kind of where I am now is I just took my hundredth picture mm. last Saturday. Not hundredth photo. Sorry. I sat with my hundredth person. Okay. Um, and... Uh, it showed me that I need to, that I can definitely branch out now. I can, I can do some other cities, other states. I've got people vetted and approved in like 15 cities across the U.S. Now it's finding grants and finding funding and um, finding studio space that can be donated to me because, you know, I'm doing this on my spare time. Right. <laughs> so I, especially with the, the the kind of people that are saying, hi, I'm suicidal, take my picture. Is there some sort of twisted element that it some people think this is somehow glamorizing being right, suicidal? Right. It's really hard too. It's like, what makes you think that any of these stories are, I, I so I can tell you I've had at least two, two that I've not vetted properly that were the other side of the spectrum that were, not as connected as they said, and just wanted a portrait. Oh. And glamorized it on the other side. And it was really annoying. It was like, really? Like, I don't, I don't want to go to the mall and get my picture taken, so I'll, I'll use this avenue. <laughs> yeah, well, and I didn't really realize it until I'm sitting in front of them, and they're talking, and it's a little vapid, and I don't understand why. And then I finally, because I'm a super blunt person, say how exactly are you connected to this topic? And they usually say, I mean, I've got a, my husband's coworker's friend. And I'm like, you're really not okay. Like, this is not, this is different. And so now my vetting process has gotten way more dialed in to that. I have to ask ask really difficult questions in my emails, but man, it helps so much that my, my content now is very specific. So, so I, I, I know you that you know about this project when I, I was part of Live Through This, which is a portrait project of, of right. attempt survivors. And, but you're doing people impact. You don't have to be an attempt survivor, but a, a, a suicide loss survivor. I didn't know you were part of that project. Oh, yeah. So let me tell you something. When I started this project, I asked the woman um, that inspired this project. I said, I don't know if I should do this. It was an idea. And, She actually knew of that project and she told me, she said, there's somebody else doing a project like this, but it's different. She does outdoor kind of natural lighting. Um, Her photography is different than yours and she's doing attempted survivors. Um, She's not really covering the others. And my idea was to cover, because there's so many facets that we don't think about. Think about the first responders. Think about what the people that find you have to deal with. 
Think about the family members that are left behind. Think about the 23-year-old college kid who has never attempted his life, but his mind goes to a dark place daily, but he's on a football scholarship as college and they make fun of him because he's sad a lot and so he can't talk about it like I'm trying to talk about let's talk let's talk to the people that haven't even gotten to that place yet where does this start so there's a huge gamut like I feel like there's avenues that are not being discovered so that's kind of how I am approaching this project differently than anything I've found is that I'm trying to make sure everybody feels heard yeah and that's it because it it something as dramatic and powerful and, and any death impacts a lot of people and somehow right. you know death by suicide is just this other level of gut punch that that you know brings a a, a gravitas and a right. and and a shame and a loss and a you know just the whole bag of crap that right don't have to deal with that's cool yeah um you know so i i'm 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 still in touch with with desiree who is the behind live through this and you know as that's gotten more popular and notoriety which shouldn't say popular it's gotten more notoriety people have accused her and and other people i know that are in suicide prevention for you know you just tried to kill yourself to get famous and this is your business and like no this nobody grows wow. up like oh, i can't wait to you know create right. a project based on this but have, have you gotten any sort of like negative feedback from not from people you take the pictures of but from society in general at all so i've had um my, I've had one piece of negative feedback ever, which is, I think it's great for almost yeah. a year and a hundred portraits. Um, and it was more about my process. There was a woman that was messaging me a lot and she wanted to be a face and she wanted me to share her story like ASAP. And I said, I have a process and I have a, a vetting process. I'd love it if you would email me and we could get those questions out of the way. And I'm sure you have a great story and I'd love to hear it. Her response was vetting, question mark, question mark, question mark. What do you mean? That's dumb. And I was like, actually, it's not. It's for my safety. It's for your safety. Um, and she never responded. But um, overall, I think that I'm telling the stories in a way that, um, for example, I recently had somebody go, why aren't you sending all of your stuff to Ellen? Why aren't you selling all, sending all this to like Oprah? Why aren't you trying to get more attention. I saw, somebody saw Living With This on, I think it was CBS or something that she was recently on. And they were like, why aren't you doing what she's doing? And I said, because that's not why I'm doing it. If those people see it organically, great. Yeah. That's awesome. I would love to tell them about it. I would love to take their picture. That's not why I'm doing it. I'm not trying, you know what I mean? I'm not going to put it out there. I'm not, um, this, the criticisms I think stay away from me um, because I try to stay out of this process as much as possible. It's not about me. I'm a survivor in this, but people's stories are going to tell themselves. And so I'm very clear when I post these that I'm not, I'm not sharing people's stories. I had a woman message or no, she didn't message. She commented on a picture once and said, I don't get it. What's this woman's story? How did she lose them? What happened? What is she doing now? I don't understand. And my response, and I was super hard. I wasn't hard on her. I was hard on her, actually. <laughs> I said, her story isn't mine to tell. That's not what this project is. This project is the fact that she could be your neighbor. She is a different face. She could be anyone. 
her comment should resonate with you or her soundbite. And it shouldn't matter how her, her, her significant other died, how they did it. As a society, we are so hellbent on the details. Yeah. We want to know how somebody killed themselves. We want to know why. We want to know if they were in a fight with somebody. We want to know if they were mad. We want to know if they were mentally ill. We want to know all these details. That doesn't matter. Right. That doesn't matter. It's the fact that it happened. See this face, look at their pain, listen to their soundbite or read their quote, and then take it with you and try to try to attribute it to your life in some way. That's what my project is about. I don't want to tell people's stories because they're not mine. Yeah, even telling, um, I've written books and I've done speaking about it. And yeah, I don't, I don't say on this date, I tried this and then I tried this and it's because then it doesn't matter. No, it was that I was enough pain to not want to be here. That's, that's the guts. That's the guts of the story. Right. right. Yeah. And, and everyone, yeah, peep that, that morbid curiosity of wanting to know the, the final straw. Right. And, right. And it really did have it, you know, it's to me, it's the years of crap building up, you know, right. the final thing, the final, even, even personally, and the, the final thing that put me over the edge, like today I'm going to do it because this happened. It was never had anything to do with whatever had just happened. Right. And anything could have been, you know, the, the, the tipping point, the thing that finally made me decide. All right. 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 So you're talking for two hours. Mm -hmm. How do you decide what, what, uh, what, what nugget to go with the portrait? Well, so my process starts way before that, that, uh, session. Um, when I decide that someone is approved for the project, First of all, I try to curate a little bit now. I learned about um, a month or two ago that I couldn't have all the same type of story. Sorry, I should turn that off. All the same type of story um, in one like weekend for me, just to kind of toggle my emotions a little bit and what I can handle and what I can't. I can't have all the same kind of um, loss or it's too much for me. So I started to, I, I added a survey to my release, my photo release, and that survey um, asks some details on when was this loss, what kind of loss was it, was it, um, is there a significant date, what do you want people to learn about you during this session, and that kind of helps guide my questions, but if you ask anybody that's been part of my um, sessions, they'll all tell you the same thing. I'm the first one to share because it's really important that I show vulnerability before I ask somebody else to be vulnerable in front of me that I've never met. Most of the time I've never met. It's about 80-20 um, on people I've met before. And um, so I tell my whole story from start to finish every time, from when I was 17 to up to now. And um, most of the time it gets people to the right place that they need to be to tell their own. And I will get really detailed sometimes, especially about my brother's death and his, it, it's a great, um, it's a great thing for me because it takes trigger words away. So I can say things like jump and from a window and things like that. And it doesn't hurt me anymore. But the first year my brother died, I told the story of his death every day for a year. And it really helped me kind of get those words out of my mouth. So now when it's somebody else's turn after I've told my story, I tell them, start wherever you want. Tell me your story. Don't worry about timelines. I will take care of that. Um, 
and then I take notes. I actually wonder if I have any to show you here. I take, I don't, nothing's recorded because I don't want people to feel like there's going to be a recording of this somewhere, if that makes sense. That's like the worst thing ever. Who would want that, you know? Um, my, let's see if I have any here. Here's some. I literally take handwritten notes of every single one. And as people say things, I put it in a different tense and I think, is this relatable to someone else? And so I will write it down. And then afterwards, if you see there's like check marks, afterwards we go through every single one and I let them change it if they want. If they say, oh, I meant to say this, of course I'm not a monster. Um, I also, if, I don't know if there's one here that has like, like I let them say, no, I don't want to share that. Right. There's ones with X's through them. Yeah. If they, they shared something, they, if they shared something that they were surprised yeah. they did. Right. Yeah. I don't want to share that because I feel like I just needed to get it out in this room. Right. Right. They're sharing with the person in front of them and then they're sharing with the world. Right. Right. And we go through that. Like, do you want this on social media? Can I tag you? What do you want me to say? Um, we even go through it in their bio. Like, do you want to be called a suicide survivor? Do you want to be called, do you want to be known as a, an assault survivor or some, or, you know, drug abuse or, you know, it's, that's their coming out. That's not my place. Right. Um, so I'm not telling their story. They're just dictating it to me. I'm just the vessel is what I like to call. So, so you mentioned you, you've learned not to pile too many of the same stories because it does affect you. So, yeah. I wonder what, what's been your reaction to some of the stories you've, you've sat for. Um, I was asked this for an, a, a, another interview. They asked me um, what stories uh, affected me the most. And I don't care how long I do this. My answer is always going to be the same. Can I curse here? Sure. <laughs> this is not a fucking like contest to see who can piss farther. Like, all of them are so painful. They are, there are so many people that compare their loss to someone else's when they come to me. Oh, I saw that woman and her loss and it was so horrible. And my story is not even close to as bad. That's not my, that's not, why are you doing that? Why are we doing that to ourselves? Um, my, I, the ones that trigger me the most probably are the ones with young people. Um, I don't do anyone under the age of 18, but if they're there with their parent, I will. And I have to have proof that they're their parent. Um, so the young people that I've had that have like, have had attempts that were severe that I could tell that I could see marks or that had like death plans that I was just like, I mean, I remember finding myself with this sweet girl, Autumn rolling I was on a chair with wheels and I rolled right up to her and I was like ugly snot crying like saying your mom is coming in here next she's in the other room and I have to tell her this like this is absolutely horrifying to hear you talk and I think my like ugly snot tears scared the crap out of her because she was she was like I'm going to see a new therapist I think I'm going to be okay like she was trying to console me by the end yeah but, you know, some of those things are really triggering. Watching, I just did a woman named Trista whose brother um, killed himself and she was in like year five and I'm in year 11. And she still has so much guilt and so much sadness. And 
she has what's called lava tears, which that she just, once they get to a certain point, it's too hot for her to handle and she just has to suppress them. And I remember those when I've been there. And so watching that kind of pain is hard for me because I remember how that felt to stifle it. So I think those are the ones that are hardest. A parent losing a child. I mean, I can't, I'm a mom. I'm a mom who is obsessed with her daughter and I love my child. And so watching another parent explain that pain that you can't understand is mind blowing. Like I just, um, I think that was one of my first portraits ever was a woman named Stacy who lost her 15 year old son and her quote, I knew it was a quote when she said it, my camera was, I have an old camera. It's kind of a, I use it on principle and, um, my remote, uh, it, it like, it wouldn't trigger and she started to sob and she started to tell me her her the what I after later used as her quote and I knew it when she was saying it that was the quote I was going to use and then my camera got stuck and I was so angry and mad at myself because I didn't want to take the focus away from what she was saying so I just put the remote down turned out I got the picture I needed later anyways but it was so quick to me that I made the decision decision that was important, which was to listen to the person. And the photos are the afterthought. They're the byproduct. They don't matter to me. I mean, that's a lie. They matter to me, <laughs> but they're, they are the byproduct. And so her, um, she said her one wish was to have five more minutes with her son, not to be a mom, but to be a gentle breeze to blow him to safety because he jumped. And I was just like, <gasps> and it just took everything out of me. And I just was like, remote start working. Like it was, it was, a, I was a sobby mess, but you know, they all affect me is the, the very um, long answer. The end of that answer is every single one is hard in its own way. So have there been any that didn't have to be hard? Like any that you surprised that you laughed through most of it or, or anything like that? Has it all just been pain? No, they've, there's been great ones. You know, it's, I, it's funny. I've had a few people come through that have had stories of loss or stories of survival. Like the stories of survival are so inspiring to me. Like people that have not only, I, I guess all of them have a little moment of sadness, but it's the moments where I capture photos of people laughing through their tears, which are like my favorite pictures. People like, utter joy but they still have like those tears right here and I'm like that's like what we're doing here that's like the epitome of mental illness of suicide awareness is laughing through that pain um and so the stories of survival the stories of people that have had so much loss or such a severe attempt but now are not only surviving but they're like thriving they're doing huge things with their life they've created nonprofits. they've like written this book, they're helping other youth, they're leading the, the pack, so to speak. And it's, it's incredible. I love those stories so much. All right, good. Cause I was, I'm like, man, are you just torturing yourself by doing this for hours and hours? Like, all right, good. So there's, there's some. My husband asked me that too sometimes. Yeah. My husband asked me too sometimes, but you know, it's not, I refuse to get myself in a situation where the whole day is sad. Um, I won't let, for self-care reasons, I just won't let myself do that. I always, if you ask anybody that's been part of my sessions, I want to get the hard stuff out. It's important. It's part of my process too, to watch others, someone else process it. 
but at the same time, I want to, I want them to see their own progression. If that makes sense. I want them to walk me through the, the torture, walk me through why you came here, walk me through your, your sadness, and then walk me through now. Where are you now? What light are you seeing? Isn't that amazing? Cause I had my counselor do that for me who said, Hey, you've been through A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and you are a mom, a wife, you have a job, you're functioning. Celebrate yourself. That's what I want to do with people. And mostly, in a, and I, that's why I was excited about your show, mostly the men. Like, I feel like the men that come through are so, they struggle so much and they're so hard on themselves. More than anybody else is on them. They are hard on themselves. And I want to be able to celebrate them and tell them how brave that kind of behavior and that kind of discussion is. So is, is it, what, what's the split men and women coming, coming forward to you? Like 60, 40, 60% being women or six. Yeah. Um, the men are, you know, it's hard with the men. I feel like, um, I think male diversity is hard that the, the younger men are coming forward. I think our younger generation, the, our millennials are a little bit more, um, they're, they're a little bit more in touch with that side of themselves. Yeah. I think when you look at the X gen and baby boomers and older, it's harder. They were ingrained with something different. Um, the X gen, we wanted to be in touch with our feelings, but we didn't have the internet and we really didn't have anything to help ourselves. Um, and the baby boomers were just like the, yeah, they were just, they were, they were a lost cause. So <laughs> now it's our, our, our millennials that are finally getting in touch with their, their mental illness side and trying to make a difference. You know, they're trying to help bless their hearts. Yeah. No, I did. And that, I, I see that too. Like I've, uh, you know, in recent years I've met men in their eighties and, and met them at things yeah. where they're just sobbing and they tell me this is the first time I've cried. And I was like, oh my God. And, um, but yeah, me, but yeah, younger people, teens and twenties that always keep impressing me of, of the work they're willing to do and right. th things I wouldn't dare touch in my teens and twenties. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there's, which is good. I don't, you know, the, the people in pain, the, you know, I don't think that's going down, but the, the willing to go, yeah, I'm in pain. That That's at least increasing. Well, I think what's happening is the women are, are, able to talk about it because that was kind of ingrained in their in their psyche a little bit the men are having to work harder talking about it so the men that come in are the ones that have more attempts on i i have women coming in across the the gamut but the men coming in for me are the ones that have attempted mostly or have dark thoughts and don't really know how to express them have have you had um guys come forward and like no one knows, like it's really a secret. They're, they're sharing that they've felt like this way. And you're the first person that any, that knows about it at all. Yeah. I've had, I've had people come forward with, uh, the fact that they have these sad places that they go and they just don't like a lot of people. And, and this is men and women alike, but a lot of men too, just feel like their story isn't worthy compared to what I do now, you know, compared to the other stories. So it's not a big deal. I'm just sad is what they say you know and it's like it actually is a big deal it's something yeah. i want to hear about it yeah yeah for the yeah, that 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 idea of unworthiness 
yeah. is the root of so many, so many things. And right, right. And, and it's it gets, sad. It yeah. And yeah, if, if, if I don't feel worthy, then my life doesn't matter. And, you know, it's that cascading uh, event that can get right. you to that point. Right. So, so uh, is there, does anything stand out re regarding phases of fortitude that you're the proudest of? Um, I mean, yes, <laughs> it's hard. I'm proud. It's hard. It's hard for me to be proud of something that's not, that I feel like is only successful because of the courage of other people. Um, I, I don't like taking a lot of credit for it. I, I feel like, yes, they're my photos and yes, it's my way of connecting with people, but man, the courage that it takes people to come in front of me and tell their stories um, that's what's made this project what it is. I'm proud of my ability to like see where I need to go with this now. I am the, I'm a very like control freak Capricorn that has to know every avenue and everything that's happening at once. And there's a lot of things on the horizon for this project that scare the crap out of me. And I am not ready and I'm a very prepared person and I'm always ready because this is snowballing a lot faster than I thought. So um, I'm saying yes to things like talks and speeches and I'm like, what are you doing? You don't talk ever. Like when people contact me to do a talk, I'm like, you know, I'm a photographer. I don't talk like what? this is my first podcast ever. I have a few other people that have requested I be on their podcast. And I'm like, you guys, am I, should I be ashamed to say I've never listened to a podcast, but now I will like, <laughs> <laughs> but so these are all like, I've got a bunch of firsts happening now that I'm like, I'm frightened, you know? And so, um, I'm doing a lot of things I think it's Mel Robbins that says uh, part of the imposter syndrome. She talks about how if something is scary, it means there's growth. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to kind of hold on to that a little bit and be like, okay, this is scary, but it's a good scary. So I'm going to keep going with it and hope that it turns out and I land on my feet. Um, so yeah, there's a book happening that I'm designing and you know, like I don't have any idea how I'm going to publish it. I don't have a publisher. I don't know anything about it. Um, but I'm just gonna, I trust the universe and my brother's spirit is so alive in this project. And he's, he's prouder of me now than he ever was. And he's showing that by the things that he's bringing my way and by the little, um, nudges and hellos I've been giving, get, getting from him. Um, they're epic. And so that kind of keeps me going and showing me that I'm doing the right thing. And so I'm saying yes to things. And then afterwards I'm like, what are you doing? So. Awesome. Good. Cause I, you, you deflected a bit, but good. Some of you are proud. You can own it. Cause I intentionally <laughs> asked me, we're talking about worthiness. So that's, why I wanted to ask that. And yeah, it's so hard, but they, there can't be amazing giving, which is, you know, your subject with, without someone ready to receive. Right. So it's, right. it's both, it's both parts. You can't just right. have one. Right. So, yeah, you're right. you know, and, and I've learned after years of saying bullshit, fuck that, not doing it. Nope, nope, nope. Um, that I can honestly say what I'm afraid of. I know that's what I need to do next. Really? Well, yeah. so yeah. you're there. You're there. Um, okay. yeah, no, your, your passion, everything. Yeah. And 
this nonsense that you can't speak like so i i in my first college, I dropped out of school to avoid a mandatory public speaking class. That's how afraid of talking to people <laughs> I was, right? So, yeah, anything I is possible. Uh, my, I did, a, I did my first gallery show this last May, and my, um, I spoke in front of everybody, and somebody came up to me afterwards, and she was like, first of all, she said, I'm a huge fan of your work. I've never met her, and I was like, what, what work? What are you talking about? <laughs> she was like, I'm a fan of your work, and I was like, that's so weird. And then she said, you're such a great speaker. And I'm like, huh? I just got up in bare feet because my heels were killing me with a glass of wine and thanked everybody and talked a little bit about the project. And she was like, you're a great speaker. And I was like, that doesn't, I don't understand. That does not compute. So it's, I speak like we speak. Yeah. I don't have something prepared. There's no note cards. Right. Th that's not speaking. Human speaking. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> right. It's your authenticity that shines through. That, that's why people tell you you're great at it. It's not, Ooh. oh, it's no one saying, you have a great script. You so have would it be authentic note cards. if I, like, when I do my first speech, would it be authentic if I just puked up there? Because that's totally what I might do. So then, we'll then yes, right? <laughs> if it was an act, it wouldn't be. But if, yeah, yeah, if you actually do true. it, you'll go viral. True, true, true. <laughs> cool. So you mentioned, you've talked a few times about the bigness and what's coming. And we've got, so traveling, getting pictures of people. So what sort of plans can you share? What do you see? As yeah, I've decided to take October off. Um, I'm going to, it's time for a break. I took one weekend off a month for the last year, but my project started on October 28th. So it's perfect that I'm going to take October off. Um, I'm going to do other things in October to help the project though. So I've got some, some pop-up um, booths and galleries planned at different mental illness and suicide awareness walks and and events and then i've got a few talks planned uh radio shows having me on their show um live which is going to be weird um and i might plan at least one trip outside of the state to go shoot i'm still trying to lock down a studio but it will either be um colorado new york or los angeles is what i'm looking at those are the places that i have the biggest um, vetted list ready. So if I make a trip, I want to make it worth it and take enough photos to make it uh, worth the trip. So it's kind of, it might be one weekend in October is what I'm looking at. But yeah, but besides that, finishing the book, um, I gave myself until um, early 2019 to have it done. And then I'm about 30 pages in to about 100 pages. <laughs> and um, then um, another gallery show in November. So what is, is the book like a coffee table book of the portraits or it's your writing of the process and your story? What, or is everything? Uh, it's, it's going to be one in three. So it's going to be coffee table book. And then I'm co-writing it with my husband, who's a former rapper, musician, poet, who's going to write poetry, who also lost his dad to suicide when he was seven. Mm. Um, he has not been in the project as of yet. Um, but he has offered to write poetry to go with the images in the book. And then I'll also share quotes from some of the people, not all of them. So it's going to be a, a poetry slash coffee, ta coffee table book um, co-written by us both. Cool. Yeah. And let's, so, and right, so I found you on Instagram and I know you're on Facebook. So is, is that, is that where people are finding you? Is, is it just yeah. social media? Instagram yeah. is the biggest place. I don't, uh, I can't believe how it's blown up. Honestly, 
people are finding me through hashtags. I mean, it's just, and then I try to be really active on there. I mean, I spend a few hours a night going through and searching hashtags and liking people's things, but not only liking them, but like there's people with 11 followers posting about the loss of their loved one on Facebook because they don't have anywhere to put it and they want to talk to somebody about it. So I'm going to that, you know, Susan's post who has 11 followers and she just poured her heart out about the loss of her son. And I'm saying, I am so sorry that that happened. And I'm encouraging them to talk to me. I'm encouraging them to talk to somebody or go to a group. I'm usually telling them that the grief is going to get easier and that they'll start to breathe a little better soon and just seeing them. And usually I get a response like, I can't believe you just gave me attention. Like, this is amazing. And I would rather have a follower like that than buy a bunch of followers or have a bot or, you know what I mean? I'd rather have somebody that feels seen because that's what this whole thing is about. So Instagram is where I'm finding the most people. Facebook too. I think Facebook is a little bit older generation. And so I'm getting a lot of like older moms and grandmas on Facebook. Um, and then Twitter is a whole new side of it now for me that I'm trying to grow. Twitter is, has a huge mental health conversation happening. Um, I just, my hundredth photo actually is an ex Hollywood, New York TV director that used to work for like Vice and NBC. And he was telling me that he needed me to get into the Twitter world a little bit more because I'm just not, I don't really know how to manage it. Like I know how to manage Instagram. So I um, promised to give me some lessons, but um, yeah. So those are the three platforms. My website should be launching soon by the end of September, which I'm really excited about. So that'll be a way for people to also see more about other faces, like their stories. I'm going to have a blog page where people can, you know, my faces can tell a little bit more about themselves if they want, and it'll be a good outlet for them. Like so my faces. Yeah, my faces. And my faces, they're, they've created their own community. It's so crazy to me. And even when I do my gallery show, they all get so excited about meeting each other. It's the craziest thing to me. It's like this community of people that give long hugs and like already feel like they know each other. And it's just, I stand back and watch it like, yeah, it's, it's bananas. But it's such a great thing. Cool. And I wonder if you... Besides taking photographs of other people and hearing their stories, what helped you heal from, from your attempt and from losing your brother? What, anything you can share about what helped you the most? I mean, talking, talking. Um, I can say quite honestly, but probably to the frustration of the rest of my family, that I'm the most open. I'm the person that sought out suicide survivor groups, went to groups, found a therapist, like I was super proactive. I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to be heard. I wanted to people to know three, four, five weeks after how shitty it felt that when people fell away, you know, the casseroles stopped coming, people stopped communicating with you because they want, it's uncomfortable. They don't want to talk about it anymore. You're a downer. And I wanted people to know that that wasn't okay and I didn't care. And so I was super out there and, you know, I'm kind of known for that in my circles is Mary is a lot like, but I don't, I don't apologize for it. I recently had somebody come up to me at work and was trying to compliment me on my project, but she was like, I want to talk to you about your thing. 
that thing, that project, you know, the, the photos that you take that are so sad. And I, she was like whispering and I literally said in a outside voice, do you mean my project's about suicide? And she was like, yeah, that. And I was like, this is why I'm doing it. I need you to be able to yell it. I need you to be able to say that word. There's a problem. This is our problem. So I got through it by talking, by talking to my husband, by talking to my daughter, by talking to my friends, by being open to the universe's um, uh, signs from my brother. If you believe in ghosts, if you believe in energies, which I believe in both, they're there, they happen. If you have faith, if you're a religious person, they happen there too. So I, I think that um, the best way is just to not shut down. It's such an isolating and lonely epidemic that the worst thing you can do is to isolate yourself because the more time that goes by, the isolation gets worse. Beautiful. Hmm. So until the book is out, until you're on global tours, you know, yeah. how, how can, how can people get involved in, and more importantly, how, how can people support this? If they, they see the, the, the good work that this is and, and want to help you grow and make the project bigger, what, how can people help you out? God, I mean, the best thing is I love it when people contact me on Instagram. I think I get probably 10 to 15 messages a day now from people that just go, this helped me so much today. Or I was really so sad and thought I was alone and I realized I wasn't like that gives me fuel more than any anything honestly I'm not quite I just had somebody recently ask me about a donation for the first time I'm not even I don't even know how to handle that yet so give me some time let my website come up let me apply to be a nonprofit like 501c3 or whatever I'm not even set up like that's was that's not my goal like I the best goal is to talk about it organically with the right people. If you know somebody of influence, please tell them about it if you think they'd be interested. But I don't want it to be inauthentic. I want people to talk about it because they care about it, not because they're trying to spread the word for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I don't think Tim's like, uh, you know, I want to give some money to M so she goes away. Right. <laughs> you know, <I> don't... <laughs> but, and, well, I'm not a lawyer and I don't even play one on TV, but I, you know, throw up a PayPal tip jar at the very least. Like you don't have to be a charity to let people give you some money to further your work. Yeah. When, when one woman asked me, she was like, how do I donate? I said, I'm not prepared for that. I don't have it. She said, well, next time I see you, I'm just going to give you a gift. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things where if people are really wanting to be part of the cause, email me, we'll talk about it. I'm, I'm almost humble to the point where it hurts sometimes. And so I need, I need people that are as assertive as me. I have a very good friend that does a lot of my editing as far as like, I'm a really bad with punctuation. And so she's like my editor, she's a writer. And she um, recently told me, she goes, we're going to forcefully help you at some point. Like you have to take help because I don't have interns. I get people email me all the time going, you and your team do a great job. And I'm like, it's just me. <laughs> and at some point I'm going to need help because social media is getting a little out of hand and you know, I set up my own shoots. My husband picks me up every day. He cooks me dinner after my shoots. Like he's great. And he's there when I need to cry it out or have a glass of wine. And, um, but at some point, like, especially when I start doing these speaking events and setting up photos and setting up like a, a mini gallery, I'm going to need some help. So 
it sounds like you already need it. So don't don't wait until you're like, you know, getting steamrolled by your need of it. You know? Right. I know. It's hard. It's hard to admit. It's, I mean, it's all signs of success. I mean, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. You're you're outgrowing. You only have so much time. Like, because I have to, you know, you're creative, you're technical, you can do it all, but you don't have the time to do it all. Like, you know, yeah. you know so there's, there's, there's some letting go that has to happen. And There's a great quote out there that says, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Which is the, kind of me, if you look it up, like, yeah, yeah, that's me. So I read the Akashic Records for people, and a common saying when they ask about, I got all these things, like, oh, you can do it all, you just can't do it all at once. Right, exactly, exactly. So today's social media day, tomorrow's photography, the next day's crying, like, whatever schedule <laughs> works. Right. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, you know, it was a, a pleasure to, to finally connect, and I'm looking forward to your East Coast tour. And Yes and uh the books and everything and the, do, do you want to share the url or it's gonna be when it's up it's not up but when it's up it's faces of i got the domain i was yeah. so excited i put it out in the universe somebody owned it and i put it out in the universe and i said jimmy my brother's name i was like you need to help me get this because it's really important it wasn't up for renewal until next november and then the guy that's helping me, he's basically doing my website. I need to shout him out because Justin is a web designer at my work. He's incredible, just such an artist. And he came to me and said, I really want to help you. I want to build you like a dream website. Let me do this for you. And I was like, okay. And anyways, um, one day I was like, I just feel like I put it out into the universe and I want this URL. And he was like, "Some for some reason it's available now. So we're going to grab it. And I was like, Thank you, brother. That's good. Oh. Yeah. So just keep taking those virtual casseroles. If you're you're accepting casseroles, just see everything as a casserole. Money. Yeah, and I love casseroles. Yeah. But today is National Cheeseburger Day, so I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna have a cheeseburger instead. Awesome. And so I want you. So your your, your brother Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Is is there a portrait of him that somehow is involved in this, or did you have anything like that? No. It. So the portrait of Jimmy, I believe there's, it's on my page with a bunch of others. And when I, when I think it was when Kate Spade or Anthony Bourdain died, I, everybody, you know, people, suicide becomes a topic then. Um, so I put up a collage of a bunch of faces, some famous, some not. And my brother was in there um, because I wanted to make the point that this happens every day, not just when Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade die. And that we need to make it an issue, no matter if they're famous or not. Right. And bless their families, and it, we're so sorry, but it hap it's happening more. Um, so I include that, and then whenever I do a, a gallery show, there's a whole little corner for my brother that has his photo, his story, some of his quotes. So he's well represented every time. And, and what about, I, I've seen portrait of you currently mm -hmm. any imagery of you at 17 that that is part of this no you know i i decided to take my portrait as the i was the first one so that was my first portrait i took and then i took another one six months later to kind of see the difference both in my lighting um growth my face like i did a lot of studying of those two images when i was 17 i feel like um, I wasn't in the place that I could accept this project yet. 
So I felt like I wanted to take my photo when I started and then kind of when I realized it was getting bigger. And wow, those two photos next to each other are pretty intense. My resolve is different. My self-esteem is different. Like my, um, my lighting is way better. <laughs> I, I'm learning as I go. Um, yeah, it was really cool to see my transformation. And I'll probably take another one at the year, Mark, and just compare that one. Cool. And I mean, I, you know, not to say that at some, some point of this project isn't fun for you, but do you also just take fun pictures? I don't. I don't. You know why? I used to be an amateur photographer before I started producing. And I work for a company that my husband or that my, uh, my husband and I know the, the owner, the CEO, and he's a former photographer as well and super talented. And so when I did shoot back seven, eight years ago, I wasn't very good at it. Like natural light photos. I would literally hand him my camera and go, will you do the settings for me? I don't like that. And then I would just take photos. And he used to tell me, Rachel, you have such a great eye. You're an emotional photographer. You can catch things when they happen, but you just don't like the technical side of it. And so I thought that meant I needed to be a producer. So I focused on producing for a while. And I've taken some shots of our daughter, who's a professional ballerina now at 22. And um, I just don't like it. I'm very critical of myself. And this medium, studio photography with one light, is actually very satisfying. I would much rather go out and produce a music video or produce something um, for fun than take photos. In fact, I feel like the photos that I take, I have some really fun ones of every person. I just don't share them. <laughs> but I get everybody to give me at least a one really good belly laugh during our session. So is the, is the one, or you, you use more than one of people when you release the faces. So is it the idea, do you, and you talked about the story earlier of the, the perfect quote, but your remote didn't work. So is, is it your, you know, is it the ideal vision to get the, the picture while they're saying the most poignant thing? Is that what you're after or? No, usually it's, I try to get a picture that I can match to a quote later, but I, I'm always watching my light now while, while they talk. I'm sitting, I'm not behind the camera. I, my camera's set up and I'm sitting and talking to them and I have a remote. So I watch, I watch for a glisten in their eye. If they're crying, I watch for, a tear that might be reflective in the light that I have shining on them. Um, I watch their tells. People have so many tells. So if they're nervous and if they're fidgeting or they're playing with their glasses or they're playing with their hair, like I want those moments. Those, those are thoughtful moments. Those are when our psyche is telling us that there's something that we might not be able to control and that I want to see them a little bit out of control a little bit. And, vulnerable i think there's something very beautiful about vulnerability and so it's not always a tear it's somebody being vulnerable that i just love to catch well i thank you for sharing your vulnerable moments and Aww, love of casseroles and photography and and helping people and, <laughs> and uh and, and i'm i'm really proud of you especially now finding out this is you, this is your first podcast and you don't like speaking because uh <laughs> pretty good it's okay. Okay. <laughs> Woohoo. Spread the word. You get the real men feel seal of approval. Yes. <laughs> um, and for anyone look at, so wherever people are finding this on realmenfeel.org or on the goodmenproject.com, well, we'll have all the links to your social media um, access on, on Facebook and Instagram, but people just look for Faces of Fortitude wherever mm -hmm. you are. And yeah, we'll you can Google it. it. 
Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of stuff comes up if you Google. Promise. I promise you, it's Google safe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome. So, so thanks, M, for joining us. Um, love what you're up to. Best of luck, and then please enjoy your time off. Don't go make some other project yeah. show up. I will. I promise. All right. And thanks, everyone, for uh, joining us. Where, wherever you're catching this, please give a like, a share, a comment, a review, a subscribe. Um, we appreciate it. And be good to yourself. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com. Until next time, visit realmenfeel.org or the Real Men Feel Facebook group and share what you thought of this episode. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel. Visit goodmenproject.com for more of the conversations no one else is having.